1: Duroc is a breed that used to be used a lot. That's why a lot of people say after they taste our product, it's like, that's how pork used to taste. Now there's, um, you know, the large genetic companies have came into the business and, and they're using lines that are leaner, you know, for less back fat, uh, And because the Packers are wanting animals that had less fat because meat was worth more than what the fat was. And I
2: don't, I don't know if you remember, Jimmy, but I, I've got pictures of our old boxes, and these are not things of beauty. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking they about?
1: They're
3: masterpieces. Come on You, you, you need to share, Well, I need to see these.
2: Oh, and we got a couple calls on them that I, now I see them, and not only they know how we've evolved and changed and
3: improved, but how everybody else has. <laughs> Jimmy is trying to shift this show away from barbecue and more about swimming in
0: the pool here yeah, in yeah, the heat gonna, of summer. We're going to go for we're, from barbecue, outdoor cooking, to barbecue outdoor cooking and playing and swimming
4: well my golden parachute is i keep the cooler full of beer so even if the food's terrible the beer's always cold so i've always got yeah. at least some sort of distraction where people aren't complaining <laughs> about the food but i think that that's going to help me step up the game a whole lot yeah
1: from the backyard to competition cooking this is a show about barbecue grilling recipes and more
3: this is the rub and now from memphis barbecue supply here's
0: jimmy shotwell this is the show that's all about barbecue, grilling, and competition cooking. I'm alongside Forrest Goodman from the studios of 600 WREC and 92.1 FM here in Memphis, Tennessee.
3: Coming up, you hear us mention quite often Compart Rock pork. What is it? Who's behind it? Jim Compart joins us along with Will Hampton on the social media craze that's driving outdoor grilling. And Tim Van Horn from Mornings right here on WREC stops by because he has a question or two about his new grill. But, Jimmy, before we get started, there's a new restaurant in New York City that focuses on Wagyu beef sandwiches. Now, I had never heard of Wagyu beef until you and I started hanging out, and I know you're a fan. Now, the name of this restaurant is called Don Wagyu. It's a five-minute walk from Wall Street. The cheapest made sandwich on the menu is from a hybrid Japanese-American cow and sets you back 25 bucks. Probably not bad for New York City, right? The highest, though, is made specifically from cows sourced from a single Japanese
0: farm. And it, my friend, 185 bucks. I want to know how big these burgers are. I mean, for 185 bucks. I mean, if it's true Wagyu, I mean, i just wonder how big those burgers are. Because you're right; these are New York prices. Yeah, where a bottle of water probably costs you five yeah. bucks, and a and that's a, why I thought 25 wasn't bad for no, that one sandwich. Yeah, I mean, it is New York prices. But let me say this: Wagyu. When you're getting into the high end breeds of that prime and higher kind of grade of beef can get expensive standard brisket's going to cost you about 40 bucks around here if you go to costco and they have the prime briskets on sale yeah uh, somewhere between 50 and 75 dollars you go online and get uh, Snake River Farms American Wagyu Gold, which is their high-end Wagyu, that brisket can set you back $175 to $200 Ooh. for a 18-pound brisket. Now, what's the Wagyu you have cooked before? That's that's the, the brisket? Snake, Yeah, Snake River Farms brisket. That's what I usually cook for barbecue contests. At home, it's just about eating good. At a barbecue contest, I want to win money, uh, so I'm going to try to cook the best possible quality meat I can get. If it's gonna cost me two hundred dollars to cook this brisket, but I have a chance of winning fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna do that. But I'm seeing a lot of folks now really just take a nice good prime brisket. That's about seventy five bucks. Yeah. And doing
3: very well with them. Would you spend $185 on a Wagyu sandwich?
0: Uh mm. Okay. Hopefully, my wife is not listening. I may have to do it once, just to say I did it. But I mean, this is New York where they have the gold leaf covered chicken wings up there. Right, I've seen right. that. Some other really, really high end. That yeah, you look at it maybe
3: once you do it. Look, if you do spend that much on the sandwich, don't expense it to the show. Okay. Whoa, we've got an expense report. No, oh, that's what I thought. You have heard us a lot on this show reference Compart Duroc Hogs, a favorite of many of the big names in competition
0: cooking. This year alone, six of the top ten teams at Memphis Made World Championship Cooking Contest were using pork from this man, Jim Comport, of Comport Family Farms, a name synonymous with quality hogs.
1: Well, it uh, started many years ago. It's, uh, you know, basically uh, we're the third generation. The fourth generation is just joining the operation, buying into the operation. And, uh, you know, my grandfather and my dad, they, uh, they had some Durox, you know, and, uh, my, my father, when he got involved with 4-H, he, uh, you know, wanted to raise purebred Durox rather than just using them for crossbred production. And, uh, and so that's kind of how it all started. He started with uh, purebred Duroc's is the 4-H project. My mother, um, she actually, uh, they met in 4-H, and she was showing hogs at the state fair is where they met. And so, um, you know, they from that they went on and continued to uh, raise Duroc's that were, you know, performance tested, and we tested the animals, uh, you know, to find the very best animals for performance and uh and you know for uh cost to production you know back in the in the 60s and early 70s and
0: for, for folks out there who don't know we mentioned duroc quite a bit in the show talking about the heritage hogs kind of break it down for folks what is the difference between your duroc hogs and what's so special about them versus what they normally get just in the regular grocery store that's not labeled anything
1: Well, Duroc is a breed of hogs, um, just like Angus is a breed of cattle. So there's basically eight major breeds in the United States that are purebred. Duroc is a breed that used to be used a lot. That's why a lot of people say after they taste our product, it's like, that's how pork used to taste. The reason being is uh, now there's, um, you know, the large genetic companies have came into the business and, and they're using lines that are leaner you know, for less back fat, uh, and because the Packers were wanting animals that had less fat because meat was worth more than what the fat was, but, uh, so what they did is they basically bred the marbling and the meat quality right out of the animal back in the in the 80s and, and 90s, and then they needed to inject and marinate to try to get some moisture and some juice back in, where the Duroc, um, you know, it has, it's naturally marbled, And with our genetic and breeding and selection program where we actually ultrasound the animals to find the most marbling, you know, in the animals themselves, we can actually see the marbling in the pork chop and uh, we select the animals that got the most marbling. And that's basically what we've done is created a line, um, not only is it Duroc, but that we've done extensive testing for the last 25 years. To maximize the, the marbling and the meat quality and and the flavor and the taste.
0: Now I'll tell you what, I've about six years ago it was one of the first times I cooked a compark Durock rib at Memphis and May. And I would have been told by many of folks, hey, you need to go try this, you need to go try this. So I got a Durock rib and it, it looked beautiful. It was redder than most of the pork out there. So it had that red color to it. But then I just like just wanted to play aware. I cut it in half and look at the rib ribs you never see marbling it's just one solid piece it's got some fat on top and whatnot. there was marbling all the way through that rib it was beautiful looking so what is that red color coming from the redder tint of the duroc ribs compared to normal stuff that's out there is that from the breeding
1: well that's a desirable trait and that's the thing that you know a lot of the the light colored pork you know when uh, the national pork producers did the you know other white meat campaign they were talking about pork that was light colored when, after it's cooked, that's white when it's cooked. And because they were kind of comparing themselves to chicken. Well, a lot of the housewives, they started looking at pork and they were thinking, no, I got to select pork. That's light colored. But anybody that, you know, has studied any meat science on pork, know that redder is better. The brighter, the red, you know, the more tender, the meat it's, uh, it's a good indication of that the product is higher in pH and uh, higher pH pork is more tender. And so, you know, we've done two different things. We got a brighter red animal, r- brighter red product, which means it's going to be more tender. Plus we're breeding the marbling into the animal that gives us that natural flavor and juice. And when that renders down, whether it's in the whole hogs, the, the ribs, the pork shoulders, that, that fat is flavor, and so, um, you know, that's basically what we've done. The other thing that we've done that makes us, really sets us way apart of anybody else is we done, we've done research on over 100,000 pigs the last 17 years, and we've them a diet that we've figured out what gives us better meat quality, better fat quality, and so that fat is, you know, more flavorful. Um, it doesn't have a, an off flavor to it like a lot of the commodity product would have. So so we're coming at them from a lot of different angles for, you know, it's, it's meat quality. It's feeding the animal right. It's handling the animal the best way knowing to man of how to maximize and preserve, you know, the meat quality and how it's raised, how it's transported, how it's processed, you know, all the way through. I
3: would imagine the average weekend warrior backyard griller. Just the guy who likes to fire up the grill and have some buddies over or some family over. I would imagine they have no idea the science that goes in behind this in making this meat better than the next. I find it quite fascinating.
1: Well, you know, I'm sure that's exactly uh, right. You know, there's a lot of people think a rib is a rib or a pork shoulder is a pork shoulder. And, you you know, when these guys are barbecuing, it's like going to a race. You know, you want to make sure you are you got the most consistent product you could have. You don't need to have something that's, you know, not going to be dependable. You know, our product is predictable because once they figure out how to cook it, every pig is bred the same way, they're fed the same way, it's the same product. And that's why the teams that are winning, you know, we had the top six hogs in at Memphis in May this year were Compart Duroc pigs. And so... You know, we had, uh, there was only, uh, we had eight of the top 12 whole hogs. So once the people know how to dial it in, I mean, our Duroc meat, our Compart Duroc meat is a sweeter meat. And when that fat renders down, it's full of flavor. And, uh, you know, we had, we've been very, very blessed with, uh, you know, the way people have performed, you know, at Memphis and me the last, You know, we've been down there probably the last six, seven years. And uh, we've been fortunate to have champion whole hog a couple times, three times, I believe, and champion rib and champion shoulder twice. And so uh, it's been great. You know, we, uh, you know, have got teams that are competing in the KCBS. And we had the team of the year last year use our product and the champion, Rib was, was our product, and this year the leading team in KCBS is using our product. So, I it's, mean, um, it's, it's very dependable.
0: To say the top six hog teams were Durock, Compart Durock ribs is amazing because you have thirty plus, forty plus whole hog teams at Memphis and May that are really good cooks, and the top fifteen or twenty are outstanding cooks. But being top six and first through six, being a Compart Durock hog. Is not just how well those cooks are, but I think really talks about how well your product is. Uh, and we're starting to see not your meat, not just in the competition circuit. I was in New Orleans about two years ago for a conference, and I went out for dinner with some vendors, and I was looking at a menu, and it was a as a high end restaurant, and they were talking about Springer Mountain chicken was on their menu, and this was on there, and there was some Compart Duroc pork on that menu so your or is your clientele right now most of those high-end restaurants are we going to start seeing you guys in grocery stores or is it going to be very selective
1: well we are in the finest restaurants in the world um you know from tavern on the green uh de Monaco's in new york to caesar's palace bellagio in las vegas uh, you know the roy's restaurant in hawaii um you know, in our biggest business is white tablecloth restaurants. And, uh, you know, we, we actually, how we got involved with the barbecue world is I was selling, you know, trying to sell ribs and butts to barbecue restaurants. And they said, well, you know, I've got the best rub and the best sauce. The ribs don't matter and the butts don't matter. The meat <laughs> really doesn't matter. And so, so at that point, I, uh, you know, we got involved with, uh, some barbecue teams and, uh, at memphis in may and we thought well let's find out if it the meat does make a difference and so we found out it does so um yeah it's been it's been fun to to watch um you know the product uh, perform like it does um you know as far as retail we do have some retail locations we'd welcome even more retail locations because the stores that do have it i mean they've got a following that you know, once they find out our product, they get it in their mouth. They're dragging people into their stores, and, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of getting it set up. And we ship coast to coast, so getting uh, distributors and supply is not an issue.
3: That's Jim Compart, and you can learn more at compartduroc.com. Coming up, social media is driving the barbecue craze. Will Hampton
0: is part of it with Memphis Barbecue Supply. This is The Rub on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. This is The Rub. Download the show for free each week on iTunes, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Jimmy Shawwell, And I'm Forrest Goodman.
3: Social media is more than just an outlet to show off pictures of kids or grandkids, argue
0: about politics, or catch up with old friends. But social media has also driven the outdoor cooking craze with recipes, pictures, and tips to help you grill better. Will Hampton is at the front of social media trends and even handles it for my business for Memphis Barbecue Supply.
2: Honestly, with the social media for Memphis Barbecue Supply, without social media, we wouldn't be where we are right now. Uh, you know, just on Facebook, the nearly 8,000 followers and then, you know, other thousands of people that see it, it's just so key and so important. Instagram has blown up even more over the last couple of years. It's so much more important to have your information there. And now we've discovered with all the teams that shop with us, so many of them have their own Instagrams and Facebooks and are putting their competition boxes out there, their test runs, their just weekly recipes, that there's so much information that... That they're sharing, that then we can turn around and share uh, with with the people that follow us. Um, yeah. There's constantly constantly discovering new new recipes or new trends, uh, whether it's grill styles, new different different types of woods, uh, new things to put on their ribs, or how they're cooking their briskets. Just it's a world of all new information. that just a few years ago, you know, you had to hunt and find, and it was you know it wasn't just there to you know to share with everybody.
0: I remember 10 maybe 15 years ago you and I sitting at the old house when we were roommates trying to start doing barbecue figuring out how to build these boxes we didn't have this to go to there was a, a Oh absolutely there was a message group that a, the forum that you were part of that showed you some but now you've actually got groups in Facebook of how to build blind boxes for competition
2: Oh yeah and how the, and I think due to that leads to a, there's a constant evolution of uh, of the change in the style of boxes you know, what we used ten years ago is not what we used five years ago is what what not what we used last year. Uh, you know, if you're cooking at Memphis and May or a KCBS event, it's constantly evolving and, and now you can keep up with those trends and before you all of a sudden you're at a contest and you can tell you're so far behind everybody else. And I don't I don't know if you remember, Jimmy, but I I've got pictures of RL boxes and these are not things of beauty. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what are you talking oh, They're ma- they masterpieces. Come on. Y- you, now. you need to share. Well, I need to see these. <laughs> oh,
2: these, there were some that, and, and we got a couple of calls on them that I, now I see them. And uh, not only, it did show how we've evolved and changed and improved, but how everybody else has. But there were some some very uh, interesting ways to get meat in the box for a judge, that's for sure.
3: You know, Will, and you, you look at the obvious ones, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, places like that, but I also look at other areas in social media that barbecue communication, grilling communication has grown. Look, this show started as a podcast. The Rub started as a podcast and getting in touch with people and still lives up to that along with being on the radio. I look at what Malcolm Reed has done with his YouTube channel to where you don't have to be a competition cooker. You can be a backyard griller and watch some of Malcolm's videos and learn a whole lot.
2: Oh, I absolutely love his. His His are some of the best out there right now. The recipes, they're they're straightforward and easy and stuff you want to be able to do at home and he shows you just the best way to do it uh and i i trust me i'm starving by the end of every video he
3: out. <laughs> well i i followed him last year with some advice from jimmy and then i get home and and i followed it like step by step and trying to the brisket has always a good brisket has always been elusive for me when i'm cooking it on the grill and uh, between jimmy's advice and following malcolm reed it turned out pretty good so it well, can help go. the backyard hack
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Between uh, Malcolm or a Meathead at AmazingRibs.com, those guys, if you follow those, anybody can can learn to do it. It's And it's not it's not always the most complicated stuff. They're simple steps, but you just got to do them, you know, right or in the right order. And, and these are the guys that know it. They're, and they're sharing it. That's what's fantastic. They're not trying to keep it to themselves for competitions or, or restaurants or whatever. It's there for everybody to consume. That's one of the great things about the barbecue community. Uh, is it's people want to share this information so everybody can enjoy this incredible food and not just have to hope to, you know, to get a sample from somebody at some event. Uh, you know, that's why, that's why at Memphis Barbecue Supply we want to offer all these the free classes we do. We don't make anything off of them, we don't, you know, sell admission to them and we, you know, most of them are streamed online, where people can watch them for free. It's information that we have that we want to share. That's the great. That's the that's the point of social media is to share information, yep. uh, and we don't. You know, there there's no secrets with us. Uh, and and most of the guys uh, that that Jimmy knows and, and has gotten his information from over the years and learned, they're the same way. They want to share it for the good of everybody that's in this
3: community. Yeah, we answer questions every week on Twitter here on the show. Jimmy shares a recipe on the show. Uh, as you mentioned, the free classes that he does, I mean, that's the neat thing about the barbecue community is they're wanting to grow and keep this momentum alive that we've seen over the last few years.
2: Absolutely.
0: Now, you you, that's get, what... you get to see on our Facebook page, you get the people ask us questions all the time and whatnot. I, I've got to ask you, some of the questions we get, because you handle a lot of them, I handle some, but you handle 90% of them. You get some outrageous questions on there, do you not? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we get some that are uh, a little more surprising. Uh, a lot of it's the straightforward stuff. Hey, do you carry this product or how much is this? And that's that's great. Any, any little simple thing is fine. Uh, we'll get occasionally oddly specific question of, hey, how do I cut... this weird little piece of seafood and can i use older wood or you know can i use the things that we're not especially non-regional because you know we're in the south so everything is kind of in its own little bubble here But it's very different, whether it's Texas or California or or wherever. And we've got a significant amount of followers from Europe, people that have come to Mivis in May and learn about us, and they follow us. And we'll get questions from overseas. And finally, we're sometimes have to throw up our hands like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whereas, better you say, I don't know, than try to make up something. I mean, that's Uh, uh, that's the worst thing.
2: The, The great thing, hey social media i just go on the internet and google
0: is a wonderful thing <laughs> google is your friend definitely definitely <laughs> so let's kind of back up a little bit you and i get we're we're friends in college we're roommates for a while after college um and we started cooking but there really was tailgating that we got really got oh, going on um so let me ask you favorite tailgating food just go ahead what was your favorite thing we've always cooked or that you cooked um
2: Well, the most famous in our group, Jimmy, you know as little as I do, is chicken cheese bread.
0: Chicken cheese bread, yes, sir.
2: (laughs) I mean, we got more requests for that every week. It just had to be on the menu. Um, But, I I mean, for me, I like for tailgating, I like things that are easily handled. I don't like a a plate full of food uh, that, you know, because usually walking around socializing, drinking hand. I like things you can just kind of grab and go. That's why I... The bacon wrapped meat meatballs, moink balls, are one of my favorite things. They were, they were quick and easy, and by God, they were delicious.
0: They were delicious, and ninety percent of the time, you were one that handled that. You were one that you took care of making those and wrapping them in bacon, while I was out making another beverage or doing whatever I was doing.
2: As long as we could wrap it in bacon, we were good to go.
0: <laughs> Everything's better with bacon, Will.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, tail- tailgating was definitely definitely key, and that's. You know, we, we have classes that still deal with tailgating, uh, good recipes there, trying to make that easier because, you know, I remember when Jimmy and I first started tailgating in the old Highland Hunter Live, I mean, I felt like we packed for three days just trying to get out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. We took everything under the sun, and we finally realized we were making this way too hard on ourselves. And so... And it would take us forever to get home. We'd be unpacking by next Tuesday, and then have would turn around and put it all back in the truck again. Right. So it was very, all right, what can we do to make this easier and small? And do we need that? I don't know. Let's leave it at home. Uh, and I, we learned that. And it translated to cooking a barbecue contest, too. And I, that's a big piece of advice I give to people. Keep it
0: simple, stupid. Do you really need that? Are you actually going to use that? Because you're right. I mean, we were packing... I would get home on Thursday and start packing stuff to get ready for Saturday to go out there and tailgate Friday night and Saturday. And, yeah, we would pack everything up Saturday, come home. I would finish unpacking everything from the tailgate Monday morning so I could leave Monday morning to get out of town again. But you
3: do have to create your checklist because there's nothing worse than getting out there and going, oh, I forgot the aluminum foil or, oh, I forgot this. So I guess what being a little detailed oriented at the beginning can save you a lot of headaches down the road.
2: Yeah, organization is key, and Jimmy was Jimmy loves lists, uh, lists for everything. I've noticed lists that. Excel, Excel spreadsheets, uh, he's keeping Microsoft alive.
0: <laughs> yes, I was keeping Excel spreadsheets alive there. Uh, <laughs> Windows 95 was my friend for a long time. But, uh,
2: but, but you're right, Forrest, the organization to have it. Otherwise, you spend all the time going back to the store. That's what we recommend. Put your box together. Have you a second roll of aluminum foil, not your home foil. You know, not your. You uh, have a different set of tongs. Things we can just grab one box, throw in the truck, and go, and not having to pull everything out of the kitchen and put it back.
0: We were roommates. I got you involved. You got me involved. We both got involved in tailgating and then competition cooking. Um, and then, unfortunately, we well we both got married but we moved apart you're now in florida um is still in the restaurant business still handling and talking about food nearly every day so what down there in florida is so much different food wise are you seeing down there versus here in memphis i know barbecues versus seafood but is there something down there that just kind of blew your mind away like donuts or something that just kind of jumped out at you uh
2: we do have there is a great donut place down here but it's not gibson's uh unfortunately (laughs) they're good but it doesn't compare nothing i mean you know, being a being a guy yeah, from Memphis, there's nothing that quite compares to the great place in Memphis especially with the renaissance of the current food scene in Memphis. But obviously, the seafood down here is fantastic. Uh, you know, most of it's fried or grilled, uh, and you can get it anywhere. You can buy it fresh. Um, I was just—I always assumed, hey, you move to Florida and you get cheap seafood. That is not the case. That's right. It's expensive. Um, even when you go cook it at home, you're still going to pay fifteen bucks a pound for shrimp. But uh, you know, and we do have barbecue down here. Um, uh, we found some that is that, that's, that I would consider good. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily Memphis style. It's uh, a little more Alabama style. We've got a place that's near where I live that does, uh, does a Texas style. Everything is basically salt with a lot of black pepper, but they do a fantastic job. They've got two giant Lang smokers sitting out front that are just rolling smoke all day, and they really know what they're doing. Um, and there's several of those There we got a couple of, uh, barbecue shacks, you know, you always trust if some places, is not much more than a little lean to cooking barbecue. That's the place I want to go eat at. That's right. And we've got a couple of those that th- these guys really, they do know what they're doing. It's a little different, but different's good. Uh, you know, I'm not locked in on everything's got to be exact Memphis style. I love, uh, you know, trying other styles of barbecue and it's just fine with me. It's like, you've got it low and slow with some smoke on it. I'm happy.
3: Yeah. I was in uh, North Carolina last week, Will, and... Uh, I went to a, a, a barbecue place, and I almost felt like I was cheating on Memphis going to a barbecue place in, <laughs> in the Carolinas. And I, I tell you, the best thing I had, outside of having it in Texas several years ago, it may have been some of the best restaurant brisket I ever had in Murphy, North Carolina.
2: And that's a long way from home for brisket. That, that is a
3: long way, and not what I was expecting. <laughs> barbecue, Don't get me wrong, barbecue was good. Everything else was good, the smoked chicken. But the, the brisket, I
0: thought, was outstanding there's been many of cooks that we've done, some that we probably should not have done, probably some that we, why did we do that? And some that we just wanted to go out and do. There's one that comes out mine. mind. Uh, it was at Tiger Lane, the old Highland 100 lot. It was the Highland 100 cook-off that you and I, we go out there, we have fun on Friday night with our friends and family. We go back to the, the house and we get a phone call in the middle of the night from one of our friends who works at FedEx like, uh, yeah, dude, just got a phone call. Your tents and everything are blown down at the barbecue contest. Oh, no.
2: So, oh, that was yeah that that one that was a nightmare that day. We weren't the only ones tent just tent city everywhere. So they just went everywhere.
0: So that one in my mind is one of the hardest ones we've challenge wise we've done cooking. Of course we won first place ribs on that one. But, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Everybody else was blown away, but uh, literally uh, for you, what was one of the most challenging cooks that we've probably done over the years?
2: I tell you, uh, and it was nearly this every year. The most challenging for me was always out at the Variety Club. Always loved that contest. It's Club is such a fantastic organization and the the money they raise. But for those years we were competing, this was, you'll remember, I mean, 80 or 90 teams, it was a giant contest. Out in the field off Sycamore View in the, you know, in early June, you know, basically this time of year. And it couldn't be more miserable. You know, you're looking at 93 degrees in the shade, humidity, you know, Memphis heat, and it was, you know, cooking in that is a struggle. It takes a toll on you. There's hardly anywhere to go to get, you're just trying to get fans anything, air moving and then you're, you know, standing over a 225 degree fire tending things and the work it took. Those were very challenging contests uh, for us, the low end, low end. It would take a lot out of you and you're doing it for several days, uh, you know, and trying to put out, it was a KCBS, so you had all four meats. We were doing ancillaries and nine before. Those were a lot of fun and I love cooking, you know, there, but Man, those were... By, by Sunday night, getting home was just completely spent.
3: That's why that year that I was out there, Will, with you and Jimmy, and we were doing that, that's why I made sure to volunteer to do the, the box turn-ins because you got to go inside to the air conditioning because <laughs> right. it was so miserably yeah, was, you know, hot. Uh, uh-huh. I could go in there and yeah. linger. Yeah,
2: I remember one year they did the wards inside, and that was the that was the best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody but, was a winner. The wards around the parking lot. Ugh, it was, but those were fun, but, man, those were... Doing them that time of year, I don't know how the guys, you know, that cook competitively, you know, professionally, can be cooking in the south every every weekend, you know, throughout the summer. I know a lot of them have the nice rigs and air conditioning, but I was about to say, I, dude, I, I,
0: remember we had so, a couple, we had a couple of pop up tents and some fans and anything we throw them back a pickup truck. Nowadays, these guys have got. 18 foot trailers that enclose with a with a with air conditioning going on and room to put everybody on couches and TVs generators yeah. and, and and then the back is, is a semi enclosed area for the pit back there so even if it's raining you can step out there check on your grill you don't get wet so yeah dude you got member will <laughs> we were
2: we yeah, I think were, there I think there were a few luxuries we were missing back then
0: <laughs> we we were seeing a lot of bull pull into the parking lot for for the variety club in a motorhome, we're all going, oh, son of a gun. He's got a motorhome, <laughs> air conditioning. And we're just like, but this is us directly out of college. This yeah. was, we were just out of college, just getting our first careers and going. Um, it, it, but it was fun. Those were the years that I loved being, I love my wife. I'm not saying I'd love to be single. But when we were single, we were out there grilling out nearly every single weekend. And there were some mm-hmm. interesting things we threw on the smoker and grill at our house when we were t- living together.
2: Whatever, whatever we could find, we were willing we to to ride. It was just us, or you know, whatever friends wanted to come over and share a drink and see what came off the grill. I think to, one, you know, run to the Kroger, the you know the Charlie's, or somebody, and just just see what we could get.
0: One of my favorite cooks was probably one Easter, uh, one year because none of us could go home to visit our families. We all had to go work, so we all stayed in town. We threw a little Easter party at uh, our our house. Leg of lamb, and this is the first time I ever did leg of lamb. And the leg of lamb, it turned out perfect. What else? We had some pork loin going on. Uh, yeah, and-
2: j- giant full pork loins. Nothing prettier than full pork loin uh, on the smoker. But yeah, those legs of lamb were fantastic on every side. I mean, it was. We had quite the spread.
3: That's Will Hampton coming up. Tim Van Horn does mornings on six hundred WREC at ninety two point one FM, he
0: needs some advice. This is the show recognized by the MBBQA with its Award of Excellence. This is The Rub on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM.
3: This is The Rub.
0: Welcome back. I'm Jimmy
3: Shotwell. And I'm Forrest Goodman. I work alongside Tim Van Horn weekdays from 6 to 8 on WREC, Tim just got a new grill, and I'm going to be very honest. I lobbied
0: hard for him to stick with charcoal. So Tim drops by our studios today and explains what went into his buying process, and even has a few questions.
4: But I actually spent probably about forty or fifty dollars more than I had expected, and decided to go up a little bit in the quality of the grill and, and the features of it just so that I could do it right. Now, it, I don't want to replace my grill every two years. I kind of got caught yeah. in that trap by going low. You don't get quality when you do that.
0: That's something I always like to tell customers. I mean, you may have to pay just a little bit extra on the front end to, to get what you need, but uh, pay a little extra. Make sure that you're not replacing that grill every two to three years. I mean, I have folks can come in the store hey, I bought this at store XYZ last year and it's already rusted out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's like that way with a lot of things and grills are no different. It's like when you buy your vehicle, if you go cheap, you get what you pay for. (laughs) And it's the same thing with the grill. All right, Tim, you wanted to drop by. You had some questions because you, like a lot of folks and folks who listen to this show, you want to make sure that when you do fire up the grill, you cook the best stuff possible.
4: Yeah. And I'm a really simple guy. We have a pool in the backyard and a deck, but sometimes we we have some people over and I love cooking up a little bit of extra stuff, but I'm a real simple guy, but to be honest with you, I really don't even know what the right temperature is to cook for for hamburgers or, or for chicken, and like I said, I keep it simple. It's really rarely anything other than that, but I mean, what's... I mean, where do I start on something okay, like that? Okay, let's,
0: let's, let's kind of start there. Um, so you told me earlier you had a kettle-style grill. So yes. that's a really good grill to play around with. Uh, you can do two-zone cooking, but at the same time, you can get really hot. So you can sear yourself out the steak, do some salmon real nice. So temperature-wise... Um, what I'm going to tell you is, uh, if it came with an analog thermometer on the top of it, do not trust it. Okay. Uh, those are usually the cheapest part. I don't care if it's a two thousand dollar Primo ceramic grill; that's usually the cheapest part of any grill is an analog thermometer. Get yourself a good either laser thermometer or a, a probe that you can clamp onto the grate to kind of get a temperature reading reading of what is right there at the grate for chicken hamburgers, somewhere between 450, 550 degrees for direct grilling. Now, I like to tell folks, especially in kettle-style grill, two-zone cooking. It leaves one side of it kind of open. So you if you have flare-ups, you can move that chicken or that, that bacon or that burger off to the side so you don't get a full flare-up that then turns that into a hockey puck and kind of kind of burnt. Um, so about 450, 550 degrees for that. Um, but let's say you're doing chicken breast which dry out in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, you're going to kind of want to go a little bit softer on that, about 350, 300 degrees. And you kind of want to keep it direct, but not totally direct, direct. The reason I'm saying that, kind of split the middle is what I'm saying, because that can dry out in a heartbeat. Um, some folks would say put a nice crust on it, especially chicken, a chicken breast. It's going to be very careful with that. If not, it's going to dry up. So undercook that just a hair. Because it's just going to rest, it's going to continue cooking while it sits there. And rest.
4: So, you know, Forrest and I, on our on our weekday show, we make it no secret that we love bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and I see some of these programs on television where people wrap things in bacon, but I swear it's like they're wrapping it so tightly, like a baseball. What's the best way to do like a, a bacon wrapped burger or bacon wrapped chicken or bacon wrapped jalapeno?
0: Best thing I love to play with especially when it's in season, fresh green beans wrapped in a little bit of bacon because it adds a little flavor to the green beans when you put it on the grill. Well, you can put it over direct heat. The green beans are going to turn black, and that bacon's going to be just perfectly cooked. You don't want that. You want kind of both of them to cook at the same time and get done. So indirect heat is kind of what you're looking at there. You may want to finish it off with just a quick sear over direct heat to kind of crisp up that bacon, but go ahead and pull that bacon and all, everything off to the side. Most things that you bacon wrap are going to be indirect, and like I said, with with a sear at the end to crisp it up. Uh, another thing I would suggest to you: have fun. Get something cheap like chicken thighs, whole chicken, uh, and just play around with your, your with, with your new grill. Find where your hot spots are. Find out, hey, what's a full chimney load of charcoal going to do to me? What's a half a chimney load of charcoal do to me? Play around. And you said you got a pool, so make sure you invite me over. I'll come over there and show you how to do that. I knew that was
3: coming because Jimmy is trying to shift this show away from barbecue and more about swimming in the pool here in the heat of summer. We're
0: going to go from barbecue, outdoor cooking, to barbecue, outdoor cooking, and playing in your pool. And swimming. (laughs)
4: well my golden parachute is i keep the cooler full of beer so even if the food's terrible the beer's always cold so i've always got at least some sort of distraction where people aren't complaining about the food but i think that that's going to help me step up the game a whole lot yeah Yeah. and it's it's
3: like jimmy said you know the best advice a lot of times is is just to keep things simple you know i mean grill what you and your wife like to eat and what your your daughter likes to eat i'm sure she'd love a hot dog on the grill you and your wife could do some leg quarters you know, of chicken on the grill, and you can do all kinds of different seasoning with that, and 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 try different things to where um, you you won't get worn out on having chicken out there. I mean, I I cook mine now. I do mine over indirect heat, and Jimmy turned me on to a pecan rub about a year ago at his store, and I still to this day use that pecan rub uh, on chicken, especially because it really makes it pop.
0: And if you have do you like fish? Let me ask you this: Do you like fish at all? Do you, do you and your wife do any scale kind of scale of fish?
4: one to ten? Maybe a two or a three on on liking fish. Okay. Yeah,
0: fat and I hate to say this, but fatty fish like salmon or stuff like that holds up really well on the grill, either indirect or direct. So that may be something if you start getting burnt out on chicken and everything else. There's a whole entire world of seafood there to yeah. look at.
3: Yeah, Jimmy gave me some of that um, lemon pepper, new lemon pepper that he's carrying in the store from Suckle Busters. How, how was it? And I hadn't used it yet. Okay. And, uh, it but I'm going to use it for fish. I specifically set it aside for that uh, to use on either some salmon or, or tilapia or something like that, because I do have a fish grill basket at home.
4: Here's a quick question for you. I'm heading down uh, 30A this summer. going to pick up some Royal Reds, those Ooh. giant shrimp. What would you suggest putting – if I were to grill those, or is that more of a boil?
0: That's more of a boil. Yeah. With the heads on and everything. Now, if yeah. you've gotten deheaded de-headed and the shelled and whatnot, you can skewer them and cook them direct. Yeah. Uh, but those are probably best boiled or mixed into like a jambalaya or a stew or something like that. Which cool.
4: kind of shrimp, just any other shrimp, probably could bol- could put on the grill then, you think?
0: In my opinion, the colossals. Those okay. those big, and I'm not talking the 8 to 12s. I'm talking like the, the 20 to 36 size. Okay, they, they hold up real well. They're all about the same size and they get cooked perfectly done before they turn rubber on a grill Uh, and and one
3: other thing tim just since we're sitting here talking good ideas of things to do like when i do when i fire up the grill i cook everything on the grill i did some beans over the weekend baked beans i did those on the grill veggies if you like uh zucchini squash with the mushrooms and the onions I mean you can get that in a grill basket and put it out there where that way you don't heat up the kitchen at all this time of year when it's 95 degrees and outside. it's real healthy
0: because you don't have to dump a ton of fat on no. there you can just put a little bit no, of olive I, oil I brush salt a little pepper. bit of olive oil
3: yep that's yep. It. brush a little bit of olive oil season it and and go and depending on the firmness that you like my wife and i have to find that happy medium she likes the softer more grilled zucchini i like it to have just a bit of a crunch yep yeah. bit of a bite
4: we do dessert on the grill i oh. do pan- i do pancakes on the grill I, I'm glad you brought that up. He
0: does pancakes on the grill, Jimmy. Okay, Isn't that now interesting. Two years ago, we did we baked cakes on the grill down at Memphis, and Mac. He did. He did we, a strawberry cake. Oh, it was great. But pancakes? Yeah. Or are you taking like a flat top or a cast iron skillet and then sticking on the, I there?
4: Get, I get a lodge. Uh, skillet, yeah, and because uh, every year they have those commemorative ones. We got one when the Smoky Mountains are on fire. We got one of those for, for charity. We use oh, that. Okay, uh, we will, I always tell my daughter the story of that, and then we put pancake batter in there, uh, put it on the grill, open top uh, for about two or three minutes, and then I invite her around, tell her about grill safety, <laughs> and then I'll do the flipping of the pancake. But she thinks that's the coolest thing, as if we're camping out, you yeah, know, in the middle of, of Cargerville. That is neat. I <laughs> that is like that.
0: that. I like that idea. Now, I've I've been told by my six year old that we are going camping this year uh so i'm going to be ca- taking him here in a couple of weeks up to cape Girardeau uh to do a barbecue contest and camp and i love that idea of doing taking the skillet up there because i'm just going to do bacon and eggs just just in a little skillet but that's pr- he loves pancakes and that's going to be cheap and easy and he'll probably eat about three or four and be happy
3: and something he can be involved in doing yeah and, and in cooking which will make him feel even better so the at, bacon the cooking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: that's probably a good idea.
4: And you get the sound of the sizzle, which mm-hmm. is great. And the sound of the sizzle doesn't mean you're losing fat down into the grill <laughs> or anything. It just means, hey, the pancake's getting ready. You know, It's yeah. almost time to flip it. So that's what uh, that's what we do for a little extra fun. I'm no expert on that, but it, uh, it does give me an opportunity to get her around the grill and, and get her involved a little bit.
0: Look at that, Forrest. I learned something today. Pancakes on the grill. And I, I now have a new recipe to play with. Here, Tim, alongside yours truly. Again, mornings right here from 6 to 8. This is the rub on six hundred WRC ninety two point one FM.
3: This is the rub.
0: Welcome back, alongside Force Goodman. I'm Jimmy Shotwell.
3: It's time for our question of the week, and as always, it comes from Twitter. And you could submit your questions there at the Rub Podcast. Steve writes, Jimmy, what's the most exotic thing you've ever put on the grill?
0: Oh wow, mm. yeah, exotic thing to put on the grill. I mean, I've done, I've done some weird. Not weird. I've done your typical. Deer backstrap I've, okay. I've done right. I've done some elk uh, this year we did rabbit and Memphis and may you did so we've done some interesting thing like that. I think probably the most exotic thing probably did was alligator. Uh, I smoked some alligator once upon a time and made a alligator pecane uh, after smoking the alligator they were tossing the sauce and finished cooking off that. But I think alligators is probably most unique thing I've ever cooked because it's not something you see. Was it
3: alligator tail or alligator ribs? Yeah, or, tail. Yeah, tail, yeah, 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 tail. Yeah. I've done alligator tail. It's been, gosh, probably 20 years since I've done it on the grill. But I chunked it
0: mm-hmm. like
3: chicken nuggets mm-hmm. and then marinated it in a an Italian seasoning mm-hmm. and kind of a heavy Italian seasoning too. To kind of pull out some of that, maybe the gaminess yeah, it. it. doesn't bother me. The yeah. wild doesn't bother me, but it, it bothers some other folks. And put it on the grill and it turned out. Excellent. It turned out really good. I did some alligator ribs one time on the grill, and I was not that happy with it at all. It may have been me more than the. I just didn't care for the meat that much, and it Mm -hmm. may have been more my cooking. So alligator would be your most exotic, huh? I mean,
0: I've done tons of different seafood. Uh, I've done frog legs. I'm going to say probably alligator. I mean, it's it's most Things that you, you will think about, oh, can I? Gr-? you can grill it, but I'm just, naming an animal that's weird that you may have not have done before. I mm-hmm. mean, I've, I've done something in its family, probably, mm-hmm. and alligator was the most unique thing I've done, and I enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I like deer on the grill. You mentioned the back strap. I
0: love that uh, elk. Done, yeah, yeah. It's, but you've, venison, yeah, you've to be careful. You gonna dry out in a heartbeat. In it, real quick. So add fat to it. Either wrap it in bacon, chop up something, if you can mix some ground, mix some sausages. Uh, so it's going to, dry out pretty quick duck is great dune duck or pheasant on the grill um we've got a friend who does goose mm-hmm. oh Ge- yeah geese, yeah goose i mean what's the plural yeah the plural gooses, gooses. <laughs> and he does does goose boobs which are yeah. just oh, the breast yeah. meat. it's for, it's
3: you know, the breast of the goose wrapped in bacon
0: stuffed with a little bit of uh an onion and sometimes you'll get a, a jalapeno in there yeah no that's good stuff <music> We are in the heat
3: of July, and uh, I almost feel redundant because I ask this every week, and right now I know the answer already. What's going on?
0: Not much going on this weekend, but on the horizon, when we get back next week, we've got a list of things coming up. Good. So, including some local ones like Dyersburg right up the road But it's still going to be hot
3: when all this is going on.
0: Yes. This is the time when you get a trailer and have air conditioning in your trailer. You you, you will make many of (laughs) friends at these contests. But, uh, no, it's on the horizons. Stick with us because uh, July looks really good for barbecue contest and right. events around here. And then August, uh, we've got quite a few around here. In fact, there's one i may be going to in the Mm mid-august right for a football season i may go do a little barbecue contest around here
3: plus we'll be gearing up for tailgating also in coming weeks we'll be telling you about the uh, chicken and beer fest which is coming up at liberty bowl memorial stadium which uh, our show will be a part of so all of that is ahead but this week just find a way to beat the heat all right, Jimmy, before we say goodbye, it's time to, as always, finish with our recipe of the week. How about something sort of, I won't call this exotic, but semi-exotic, not something you always
0: cook on a grill. Something I enjoy, we used to do the tailgating all the time, is a great little meal. It's called Cornish hens. These are the small little hens that you see, at the usually frozen at the grocery store, the frozen pre-packaged, but they are great. Slice one of them in half and serve it just to one person. Uh, It does great. Now, they're fatty, so it's going to stay moist. You can smoke it. You can slice it in half like we talked about and grill it, uh, and you still have all the parts. You've got the wings and the legs and the breasts. You get the same thing. I would suggest, even though it's fatty, go ahead and brining or injecting uh, it before you go ahead and throw it on the smoker. Going to smoke it 250, 275 degrees. A little bit hotter than normal because you want that skin to crisp up a little bit and you want that fat to reduce. Uh, Time wise, you're looking at a good 45 minutes to an hour because how small it is. Uh, but you were looking at the same temperatures, about 160 uh, to 180, somewhere in that range, uh, depending on white or dark meat. You have recipes out there where you can stuff it. And we've talked about stuffing poultry in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do not stuff. Just think about this. Chicken's going to get to 160, 170 degrees on the outside. If you stuff something in the middle, it's like a cold beer can, it's just going to not get up to temperature like the outside meat's going to get to. So when you get to that internal temperature of the stuffing up to 160, 170 degrees where it's safe to eat, that poultry on the outside is going to be dry and overcooked.
3: Right. And if you're not careful, the, the couple of times I've done Cornish hens, you can overcook those quicker
0: than you think. Yeah. So you keep you need to keep an eye on it. Keep a thermometer. Like we talked about with Darren a couple of weeks ago, keep a thermometer handy, cook to temperature, do not cook to time.
3: You you will be amazed by keeping a thermometer handy and cooking, especially pork and chicken. I, I can eyeball red meat. Yeah. I know it. I know how it's going, especially from the temperature of my grill. Chicken and pork, though, can be a totally different animal, so I, to speak. Sorry for
0: the fun. No, no, not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. I, actually, I bought some, some big, thick pork chops to grill mm-hmm. out the house. Uh, unfortunately, it rained that day, and I had to use a cast iron skillet inside to go ahead and just uh, fry it up. Checking that internal temperature uh, was what I needed to do because how thick they were. Uh, they looked like they were done on the outside, but the internal temperature reading 120, 130. So, yeah, you you need a good thermometer. And a cornish in is always something good that's quick and easy. And you figure two per person, I mean, one half, so two people per cornish right. hens uh, is what you need to serve folks. And, right. uh, yeah, that's a good little, little thing different to do.
3: Take a picture of what you've got on the grill this weekend, grilling, smoking, whatever it may be, and uh, put it on Twitter and tag us in it at The Rub Podcast. We'd love to see
0: what you got going on. And with that, Jimmy, we're at the end of another show. Everybody have a great and safe weekend. Uh, fire up the grills, fire up the smokers. But remember, be safe, and enjoy yourselves. And yeah, like Forrest said, take pictures. I want to see what yeah. you're doing this weekend.
3: I love getting pictures from listeners of what they've got going on. I really, really do. For Jimmy Shotwell, I'm Forrest Goodman. Get out there and smoke or grill something good this weekend. So long, everybody. You can listen to The Rub on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also hear it Saturday afternoons at 3 on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Like The Rub on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Just search at The Rub Podcast. The Rub is a production of Memphis Barbecue Supply, Good Media, and 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Yeah. <laughs>